Welcome back, everybody. Episode 44 of the Real Sports Science Podcast. Matt, how are you doing? It's been a while. It feels like ages. We've gone from like speaking like every few days to not speaking for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been uh, quite distant. It's like we're, we're on yeah. a break right now, eh, David? Distance makes Sometimes. the heart grow fonder. That's what they say. A hundred percent. I've got a little picture of you underneath my pillow. <laughs> I won't show the cameras though. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Matt, what we got going on this episode? Oh, in this episode, we have a little bit of an update from both of us. Me specifically, I talk about the difference I've noticed in levels um, concerning like sort of semi-professional youth to all the way to an elite environment. To be fair, it's just a more of a reflection episode where we talk about things we've noticed, tips of the trade, tricks of the trade. Messed it up again. I mess it up later as well. So don't worry. I keep, I'm consistent. Um, <laughs> and yeah, David just gives us a little insight on um, his trip. And then also we chat about Tom Swales, a recent guest that we've had on our podcast yeah yeah and and just how we how we've noticed our thinking changed a little bit as we've kind of progressed how you're getting the most out of the time that you're doing at the YCAT Chiefs things you've noticed there so yeah it was really nice just a nice catch up some learning some reflection so make sure you join us if you haven't followed us on Instagram or, or Spotify wherever you find your podcast make sure you do that we love it that you're coming along this is the Real Sports Science Podcast, episode 44. Let's go. Every single time I see you as well, you have something, you have a different Waikato rugby gear on. Say less. Yeah, it is what it is. Man lives and breathes Waikato Chiefs now. We're not going to hear or see the end of it when you come back, are you? Every oh. conversation. Oh, yeah, this one time when I was uh, working with Waikato Chiefs. I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, holy, you don't know about the Chiefs. And I was, so it's not the Chiefs, it's Waikato Rugby, just to clarify. That's embarrassing. Yeah. No, but it's okay. That's embarrassing. I'll, 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 once what, I, but what's the difference? Um, one's a super rugby team and then one's provincial. That's on me. No, no, it's all good. I learned that. How as well. are you though? How? Yeah, I'm. All, I'm yeah, how you? How you been? Oh no, I'm all sweet. Um, now, especially like now that we're in season, it's been amazing to see the transition from preseason to in season training. How that's differed. How the sort of so what we use over here, we use Met, which is like I think a threshold of speed above five point five meters per second, um, and then like that's how they do the targets for each positional demands during the week and if once they've hit that target they pull them out of training within reason so if they're doing too much and they're like okay that's a risk of injury let's just pull them out if i've explained that correctly so it's interesting to see so that's interesting so last week we had one game on sunday this week was storm week so we had a game on saturday a game on wednesday and now we've got a game tomorrow sunday um so like it's interesting to see how that fluctuates within terms of like training load that we've um, imposed on them as well as what we've done in the gym um and yeah it's, it's really interesting to see all the subjective and objective measures used in elite elite performance environment compared to the resources you've got in say semi-professional or lower levels and it's interesting to see mm. like how much you can actually monitor and manipulate in order to elicit those demands that you want um, or adaptations you want during those weeks like, like what like what have you manipulated What's so like so for example like during the storm week so prior prior to the storm week um, storm week being like three games over the course of uh, or two games in the in one training week um 
we've reduced like sort of gym loads. So for example, like we were doing four by four on cleans um, or, or, or a, a clean option. And then this week we were doing three by three by three. So like, it's not enough to fatigue yourself. It's not enough to elicit any DOMS. Um, so, but it's still there to maintain strength. It's enough to keep them snappy. Yeah. Keep yeah. Them yeah. hundred percent. Um, and then, yeah. And then training loads also reduced. So there's no light, there's no live contact in any of our sessions. So we do the contact in sort of increments of like levels. So you've got level one, two, three, the highest level of contact this week was level two. And that's just with pads or a bit of shoulder touch. Um, so no full like tackling, um, is three, like full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's full on Bosch. Yeah. Two and one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then one would be just no contact at all. Like just touch. Um, mm. and just seeing how skills have been more focused. Like I, we did a captain's run. So today was a good captain's run before game day tomorrow. And, uh, it was quite, it was quite fun. Um, started off with a bit of kick golf, a kick golf, kick, a uh, kick rugby. So basically it's like, it's like a, it's not like volleyball. So there's two balls and forwards and backs go against each other and they kick a ball over like a, the halfway line and um, you've got to catch it if you get me. Um, and then if you drop it, then you're out. So it's interesting to see. So normally first part of the season, um, backs were winning, but now the forwards have managed to crunch down and win, win the past couple of weeks. So it's really interesting and it's a good bit of fun. You got them- so is it always forward? Is it always forwards versus backs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then you've got, so the music's playing with that um, and the music's going and then suddenly once the game's ended, music gets cut off and then we focus into that. Um, we focus into the session. Units split up yeah. into different units and what they need to do to clarify and enhance their skills. Then it goes into a team run and then that's when training finishes but the majority of the boys all stay out to do last minute goal kicking, last minute like little bits of pad hits um, just to really um, zone in on what they need to do for the next day. Um, and that's sort of what I wanted to speak about in today's um, episode is just essentially the difference in levels. So one thing I've noticed is before game day, um, what we used to do at TGS, we'd have Thunderstruck by ACDC playing and it would just be, I'd even get hyped, I'd be ready for the game and all that. But here, it's nothing like that. Here, you've got the time to yourself. And I was speaking to some of the players and some of the players were like, Wait, look, this isn't our first rodeo. Uh, we know what to do. We know how to get ourselves psyched up. We, it's sort of mm. better to have a calm head than a fired up head in some certain positions. Mm. So you want to be calm going into that game as if it's, you know, it's all sweet. You don't want to be too ecstatic, too adrenaline fueled that you're just going to make a ridiculous decision. Like first tackle, you make a high tackle and then you get sent off because you're so G'd up. Yeah, essentially, right? So yeah, yeah. that's one thing I found yeah. Um, yeah. from jumping up to levels. That's so, that's so interesting because um, like playing this is not nearly to this this level but like playing like youth ice hockey mm. we would always be in the in the change room before like playing nuts music getting yeah. hyped up right but then when i went and played um at a higher level um after that like the three years that i played at a high level before my undergrad undergrad um I would, I actually found that that worked better for me as well. Like I would get, I play like super hyped up music before we went out on the ice for like the mm. pregame up. Cause then you go out for the warm up, you have like 25, 20 minutes on the ice and then you go back into the locker room while they Zamboni the ice and make a new fresh yeah. sheet. And then in that time I would actually listen to like classical music. Yeah. I, and, and to like, to, so that I don't, cause I found the same thing. Like sometimes I would go on the ice so fired up. 
I would like I'd be playing erratic and yeah. I wouldn't make good decisions. And uh, yeah, it's so interesting. It's, and and as well, uh, um, one of them said that he said that at the end of the day, like sometimes you don't need to hype yourself up because you're going out to a crowd of a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, or however many people. They will hype the crowd. Mm. They will hype you up for you because once you get out there, you'll see the flames come out. You'll see the chanting, the cheering, and the music will start in the same. So you don't you'll be fine. And that's when you can relish in the moment. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, was, it was interesting to see that step up. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's it, like every day. I think it's, as I said, in many podcast, in many of these episodes, like um, it's important to jot down what you're feeling and ha- reflect on what a day is of a new experience. So I've been mm. doing that whilst I'm out here and I've just been able to make these slight connections um, and slight things that I would change in the future. So slight things that I can take back and realize the next, what to, in how to next take that next level, if you get me. Um, mm. So yeah, it has been interesting. I guess it's tough as well because like you're not going, you're not going to go back to the same environment. So like, how do you learn from? How do you learn from this environment? Especially like very practical. I find like it's not like if you go to an environment like you're in now, you could easily go have this unreal experience and not actually take anything back from it other than like the experience you know what i mean like you have to actually work to like sit and reflect like what are they doing what am i actually learning what are things like you said like start to connect the dots see differences like i think it actually takes a bit of work to like reflect and see how can i actually take what i've learned and what is it that i've learned that i can take back you know what i mean a hundred percent and it's you have to have sort of a mindset where you're thinking in your head you're like at the end of the day look if i leave here and yes i've got a great experience but i've not leveled up in my career like i'm i'm i want to leave here in the sense that i want to experience as much as possible but i will also want to be learning things every day and i want to think i've got this constant mindset in a way where i'm like if he's going to be one of my references what will he say about me because mm. it's a great opportunity to have but I want it to be sort of like paying in and also getting something out in the sense that like, if he says while he was here, he just kept leveling up each stage and this is what he learned. Then there you go. You know, I could go back there in the future. Like CMP, time to level up. There you go. A hundred percent. So yeah, no, in, in that sense, it is, it is really, really interesting. Um, yeah. That's really cool. Cause I guess you could like, you could go through the whole time and, and not coast, but you know, kind of coast and have an unreal experience and i guess maybe some people that's just what they want they want that excuse me experience and they don't want to take anything more than that out of it but obviously like yourself you want to take as much out of it as possible mm. and if somebody asks like you said the trainer or whoever like the snc who you're shadowing you want him to be able to say like like he was involved like he asked good questions he like got better throughout like mm. he wanted to be here and you could tell he wanted to like learn he yeah was here to learn yeah yeah no, 100 that's cool <clears throat> um but yeah and then what else was i going to speak about just that just the the levels like the differences are quite like even i'd say during a warm-up um mm. one thing i've noticed is the boys here they know what to do i think it is just literally at this level you've played endless like countless games already so you know how to get yourself activated you've dealt with so many snc coaches that you've taken the best bits that work from you um mm. and you know how to get yourself prepared 
Because at the end, I could have my own way and I could be telling these players like, oh, I wouldn't do that if I was you. But bloody hell, they know what it feels like for them over what I know what it feels like mm-hmm. for them to an extent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing I've like managed to jot down and understand and uh, want to implement. Because at the end of the day, as a practitioner or as a coach, um, <clears throat> you want to be feeding these players so then they can take the best out of... You want to be feeding them so much in a practical way that they can take the bits that they really like and f- works with them that they can take it. So like in say uh, in rugby or American football or any team sport, you've got how many athletes you need to work with. You can't just, it's impossible to individualize it to that extent where you've got a program for each player that hits their specific needs. You're sort of working on a positional standpoint. So in a sense, you just got to keep feet. They've got general programs. And if they're returning to play, then you put those, you know, you specific specialize it in that setting. But in, in the most common way, you're generalizing it, giving these programs, but then you keep feeding other stuff when they come to you with questions or you're mm. seeing stuff, you keep feeding them so much. So then they try it one day and it works for them. Then they can use that in the future. So in that way, you're sort of individualizing it a bit more. So over time you yeah. can, and then yeah. once you say, if you're in an environment for five years, you'll know these players bloody well. And over those five years, instead of just feeding them the same program, you can over time individualize it. Once you understand how that player moves, how the competency is around certain movements and you can develop it onto there. So it's, there's no way you can individualize things from the get go. Um, and that's one thing I've found that's different. Whereas like in the, in an academy setting, you'd sort of been teaching the movements more and coaching through different mm. coaching cues and technical cues. Whereas I think the SNC coach here has not had to do that much in terms of coaching. Like it might just be two technical cues a session for three times a week, mm. you know, because um, they're all pretty competent. They all know what to do. Yeah, I guess at that level, it's you're at that next stage, you're kind of fine tuning, you know, like they yeah. know the bulk of what they need to do. They know how their body works the best. They know how to how to perform well. And then the coach is there or SNC is there to support, make tweaks, make sure everything's going well, obviously make adjustments where needed. But like you said, it's not the academy or or maybe a lower level where you're the one like putting in the groundwork to teach people how to move or how to warm up. Do you think that you, do you think you could get to a place though in a lower level? Um, like, like it, uh, in it back home when you work for TJ's, uh, so like for warm-ups or whatever, you're way more involved, would you say, than the SNC coach at Waikato? Yes, yes. So I'd, I'd be leading yeah. the warm-ups and that's definitely something that I'm contemplating now and seeing if I can put something in place where they can do all the stuff, in, even in training and match days. They can prepare themselves to an extent where all I need to do is fine-tune it to make sure they are prepared. Mm. And during that fine-tuning mm-hmm. phase, I can assess and see, actually, are these guys warm enough? Have they done it well themselves? And for the certain few that don't do it, that's when I speak to them and make sure that they are doing what they need to do. And then over time, mm. what that does is build a sort of, with those group of players, um, yes, some of them will go, some will come and go, but then the ones that will stay mm. will implement it. And then the five people that join this season or the 10 that join next season will all have to buy in and understand that's the environment, how we work with. So yeah, it's yeah. just keeping a constant reminder. It's like what Tom was, it's like what Tom was saying about like his job is to make you, well, a little bit different, but I remember he was saying like his job as a physiotherapy is to work himself out of a job. But what he was saying is like to make, my job is to make you self-sufficient. And then if if there's a problem or I need to tweak things, then we can problem solve that. Wait, and we can do that. It's essentially like so I guess it's it's similar to that, right? Like 
you're like if you can get to the boys to a place where they're self-sufficient and then you're there obviously as the expert to make sure they're doing it you know to fine-tune to tweak things when things aren't going right individualize like where you can if someone has something specific that they need yeah and and uh, sort of a picture i'm thinking in my head is like you're getting that player up on this step of this pyramid for example and once they're competent in that next step then you lift them to the next step fine tune next step fine tune so you're chiseling these steps for them that they can then get to that next one percent and instead of doing 10 percent increments all they need to focus on is these little one percents now once they're in the better place and then you'll have more time for those one percent instead of less time for that ten percent once you get them competent Hmm. I guess it's tough because like it goes back to what because at the professional level like you were saying they've had years and years and they've had SNC coach after SNC coach and they've come up through the academy where hopefully they've been able to learn those movements and they know what hmm. they're doing it's ingrained in them so like and then you can't just go into academy and be like all right this is what you're doing all right go and now I'm just going to fine tune because actually your role there is to show them how to move. But I guess to an extent, you can still make them self-sufficient. Like you don't, just because you're teaching them the fundamentals and building a strong base doesn't mean you have to like spoon feed them everything. Well, yeah, just always keep in mind that at the end of the day, you are hoping to, you're you're, you're building up, building them up for the future, aren't you? You know, you're not just, uh, you don't want them to just be great now. You want to be great for the future. So once they do hit that next step, you set them up in the perfect way to be able to tackle that next challenge with or without you. Mm. Mm, yeah, and whatever whatever level they're at. Quickly, before before I forget, we didn't mention this the last episode. Um, and it just reminded me because we spoke about Tom and I, I, we had him on, oh, it feels like forever ago. But if if you haven't watched, I'm gonna I'm just gonna pull up what episode that was. We had Tom on, who's a physiotherapist back from back in Canada, and it was like the knowledge of this guy was unbelievable. Mm. And he took like we ended up chatting for almost I think it was almost two hours or something like that, um, just about his experience, physiotherapy, like his knowledge on movement was absolutely next level. Like it was insane, wasn't it? episode episode 27 like he talked about his his journey uh in physiotherapy talked about like making helping people become self-sufficient as your role as a physiotherapist and not like baby you know people through he kind of talked about like building a culture in his own physiotherapy practice that he has and how he he developed that with his wife episode 27 if you haven't listened to episode 27 go listen to it because you know, whether you're a physio, whether you're even someone who's not a physio and you just like want to learn about more about how intricate things are and a bit more about physiotherapy and how you move well, like unbelievable. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Like one thing I was going to say was a lot of um, players, family members that listen to even friends that listen to that episode were saying that um, the stuff they learn, like they are always shoulder hurts mm. or something. So then they focus on that area. But one thing that you mentioned that a lot of them kept coming up to me and speaking to me about was actually when I focus on a different part of my body and like when I stretched mm-hmm. out the different areas and did what I could at home, it actually relieved some of the issues there to an extent. So they were just saying, wow, that's like yeah. something they never thought about before. So it was really interesting to see how it affected their lives as well to an extent, not their lives as in changing yeah, forever. Just, but like, like just the way he, <laughs> just the way he, just the way he thinks. Um, 
and I'll get on to something else after this. But anyways, I, I wanted to mention that because he got really, really ill and he, he put something on a story and he's usually like pretty big on social media and he hadn't posted anything for a while. And then he posted something um, and, and he basically had invasive strep toxic shock syndrome, multiple organ failures, uh, ramdamylolysis, butchered that word. But basically that's when your body breaks um, down its muscles and releases like really toxic toxins into your blood. And then that can cause multiple um, organ failure, blood clots and all this kind of stuff. And like he almost didn't make it. Um, So he didn't make it. After a crazy fight for his life, he's back on the road to recovery. But I just wanted to just highlight that. Like, if you ever go, if you ever have a chance to listen to this guy speak, it was unbelievable. And we just wish him all of the best on his recovery. Um, I can't imagine what the last couple of months has been like for him and for his family. So we just wish Tom all the best. Um, uh, because, like, he he gave us so much. and. And I know he's helped so many other people and I can't imagine what, what that must've been like to go through. So, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully we get a chance to speak to him again. Um, but yeah, just all the best to you, Tom, if you do, if you do see this, um, we definitely appreciated the time that you took for us. Um, yeah. And we wish you all the best. That's for sure. A bit somber of a note on the RSS, but I just wanted to, just wanted to mention that. Um, and if you don't follow him on Instagram, go follow him on Instagram. Because even the tips that he, like the videos that he puts up on there, like phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah. No, massively. I hope he gets better. And it, yeah, it's, it's I always loved after speaking to him. I would go on his page and just check out everything really. Um, and then I was like, geez, I went through a rabbit hole on his own Insta. So yeah, he's got a lot of knowledgeable things to get through on there. So definitely check him out. And I hope he gets better. And yeah. hopefully we can chat to him in the future. I think like even just the way I think I th- I think uh, what I was what I was going to say one thing I've been learning about the PhD is and I was having a chat to Patty actually who who we're having on next week on the podcast we, we interviewed him yesterday which is absolutely unbelievable. I was having I was having a chat with him over coffee and and we were talking about like expertise and and just like different experiences that you get within your PhD excuse me and then you end up working in like a situation that you're actually never even thought of and and you get all these opportunities in other places that you, you didn't even think you would. And it's not even like part of your PhD. And you're like, what? Like, I, I'm not actually an expert in this. Why am I getting hired or or having these opportunities? You know what I mean? Like, um, but it, it kind of came out that like, actually, I think a big thing in, in your PhD and a big thing that you get hired for is like how you think and, and the, your problem solving capabilities. And that's one thing like I noticed I mean, I noticed with Tom, I noticed even in myself as I'm moving through like my PhD is, is the way he thinks is so different. And the way that I've noticed, I think is starting to change as well of like being able to see a situation and then all of a sudden have like ideas like, okay, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And if I don't know what it is, like knowing where to go to search for search for the answers you know what i mean i don't know if if you've noticed that like change how like i don't know if you've noticed how you think 
or how you like work through problems or try to solve problems change. But it's something that I've definitely noticed and something that it just sparked that just sparked my memory when I was talking about how Tom like thinks through problems. Like it's not shoulder. Okay. Let's look at the shoulder. It's shoulder. Okay. Where does, where do the nerves go? What other joints are attached? Like what can influence? Let's look at the lower back. Let's look at the ankles. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, just just phenomenal but yeah is that like like is that something that kind of rings true with you as as you've kind of progressed or yeah like it's something i've I've noticed like there's little things that you can just pick up on that once you've dealt with it you know how to react a bit quicker in the future or how to target a conversation Mm -hmm. like when there's a bit of conflict say between like you and a physio you know how to tackle that a little bit better or you know how to just like kick Mm -hmm. kick start a conversation with the lads better so instead if someone's like quiet in the corner before you'd be like oh do i approach him do you not how do i approach him you might mess it up now it's just like hey how's it going straight in there bang and that's something you learn how to deal with people a whole lot better over time so yeah, yeah not yeah. not in a so theoretical setting, but yeah, in a yeah. practical setting. I'm just gonna close the window. I look I look like a ghost. <laughs> I got, I know I'm white, but I don't need to look this white. It's a bit better. That's so that's so interesting though, because I'm coming I was thinking at it as a like more of like academic problem solving. I've had my master's students, and that's one thing I think where I've really noticed it is my master's students asking me questions. And even though sometimes I've been able to answer it like that, sometimes I've like like started a conversation with them, be like, um, that's a good question. Like and then kind of like think out loud while I talk to them, like, oh well this and then that. And then we kind of get to an answer. I'm like, oh, I think before I would have, I would have maybe not frozen isn't the right word, but I wouldn't have been able to think of the answer on the spot. And then I would have been like, I don't know the answer. But, but, but now if I feel like immediately I can go, not immediately and not all the time, but more times I'm able to like go into this process of like thinking through it and start pulling things from, from, you know, different areas that I've learned. And then, come to what maybe could be a good answer. I'm going to Canada next week. I've just finished my, I've just finished my annual report. Sent that back, sent that in on Thursday. Uh, And then I got my annual review on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. Um, yes, I'm a bit nervous. Everyone who's had an annual review, like there's the, the, the things you hear about them are so varied. Like some people will say, oh, it was so easy. Like it was just a good chat. You know, like he had some things to say or she had some things to say. And then we had a good conversation about like my progression in the PhD, like what I've learned, my methodology, stuff like that. And then some people or like it was really hard like they grilled me like patty which you'll hear about next week he was saying how on his first year review um you know he thought he had written like a really good lit review and then he just got absolutely grilled by his reviewer although he did say it was like not in a nasty way but it was it was really good but you know what i mean so and also i think the thing i'm nervous about the most is the guy who's doing my review um so but is he uh, I send him my report that I've written. He reads it and then he asks me about my PhD, what I've done, asks questions of why I've done things the way I've done, where I'm going to go in the future. Anyways, he's he's like a big biomechanics guy. 
Um, and my first study has a lot of biomechanics in it, but I'm not a biomechanist. So I'm a bit nervous that he's going to ask me like really in-depth theoretical questions about biomechanics. Mm. I'm just going to have no idea because to be honest, most of the biomechanics stuff that I've done and like the analysis that I'm doing one I've like had to fast track it because I had to get data to my master's students. And so I need to go back and like actually know it better. And two, like I've just, I've been just like flying by the seat of my pants trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> so what I know, I know, but I don't know why a lot of it's the way it is. <laughs> that's, yeah, mate, that's so, I'm kind of glad I didn't do a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So, yeah, I'm. 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 I'm excited. I think. Hopefully, hopefully, I think I've done a lot of work, and I think it'll be fine. Um, but I'm just curious to see what it's going to be like. I suppose. But, but yeah. So I got that, and then on, on Friday, supposed to be flying to Canada, but back home, back home is just on fire at the minute. Yeah, I heard about that. That's massive. Have you, scary, eh? Yeah, have you seen? Uh, it's men. It's a mental. So, like, to be fair, like where I live is in in Kelowna, which is just four hours east of Vancouver. It's like it's, I think it's actually classed as a desert. I'm not sure. It's very dry there, um, and like BC, British Columbia is just a big forest. Like it's all forest. So in the summer, like wildfires are very normal. Usually, there's like several hundred firefighters fire. fire wildfires happening at any given time like it's actually pretty common but usually they're like in the middle of nowhere maybe excuse me maybe there's a few evacuations and they're not the massive ones the big ones are usually in the middle of nowhere which is obviously still devastating Mm. um but at the minute there's this massive fire in like right where we live in Kelowna and West Kelowna, and like there's thousands of people being evacuated. It, there's like a lake where we live, and West Kelowna's on one side, and Kelowna's on the other side. And the whole mountain of West Kelowna is just on fire. It's like 7,000 hectares big. Um, it's because it's been so windy as well, like ambers, no, ambers, embers have flown over the lake and have started fires on the other side of the lake, on like the 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 east side of the lake and so the people are being evacuated there and those fires are getting bigger there's been embers that have like flown onto people's houses like onto their roof and then the house catches fire like it's it's awful like like hun i think well yes i was like i've been keeping up trying to read all the updates on it online and like i think the latest thing i've seen is at least 80 houses have been like burnt to the ground um mm. like pe- people don't know when they're going to be going home uh like the airport to... shut so to let like the fire the fire airplanes like the bombers come in and take off from there That's like, crazy, the yeah. university's been evacuated it's nuts so i mean it's very it's very selfishly i hope it gets better so that i can go home <laughs> and Not and yes. like fly home you know but also, like, just absolutely devastating for everyone who's like lost their house. Mm. So, 
No, it's quite it's, scary. And it, it does happen every year, but it never happens. Not never. It rarely doesn't happen very often where it's like this devastating to people's houses. Yeah. Um, it, the last thing that's crazy is 20 years ago, almost to the day, a fire started on the other side of the lake, the 2003 Okanagan fire, and that like the whole mountain burnt down, like houses oh, got lost. And that's probably the the last massive fire in that area that's been like this devastating. And 20 years later, all like genuinely almost to the day this fire started and has been taken out like the other side of the lake. That's it's a bit hectic. Mental. Yeah. 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 And it is like you, like every year there's fires and we know it happens and, but very rarely, I think does it, happen that it's this devastating and because it's so windy and the fire just rips through when it's windy yeah yeah but oh no so hopefully hopefully need some rain over there yeah some of this uk weather yeah or at least the wind dies down crazy How long have you been out in New Zealand now for? Was it like a month? Nearly a month. Yeah, nearly a month. So I've got two more. I'm yet to yeah. ask them a bunch of way or nay questions. Um, but I might ask this next one. Way or nay? Go Active for recovery. I say yeah. Within reason. I say you yes. Say, you say yay within yeah, reason. Yay. I say way. I'll say yay within reason as well. You you go for, like why do you think? I just think like we we use it here just to flush out. So after a tough day, just to flush out that lactic. Um, sorry, just just heard a noise and <laughs> just heard a noise. Um, <laughs> um, just you know, up. I just flush out. No, no, I literally just heard something in the in the living room. Um, no, I, I say yes to that just because uh, it helps just flush out all the lactic acid it helps flush out it's just i feel like i see a lot of the boys doing it and they tell me it just works massively like they'll go on the bike sit on the bike for a while um do some light stuff there um even like to an extent even just going for a pool session the boys love that it just takes away the stress on their joints they get in the pool just do a couple movements like little tiptoe walks heel walks in the pool and they love it you know they feel fresher than ever Mm. so uh i Mm. if it's at light active recovery like light recovery and rest i feel like go in the same word so if you're going to active recovery that should be within the same it should be classified as also like close to resting in a, in a sense do you know what i mean yeah. like it shouldn't be like oh i'm going to active recovery and do a couple of broncos or like a 5k timed run you know yeah or go for a or go for a four-hour bike ride yeah 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 i i would i I would agree yeah i would agree with that totally if you haven't listened to last week's episode episode 43 with with jamie this is when we talk about active recovery yeah if and if we're talking about active recovery is like like rest day active recovery which i think we are right i would totally agree like it and i think that's what jamie said like what we talked about last week like if it makes you feel good like you know, and you're doing a little, a little, like a couple of movements in the pool, a little shakeout, like a shakeout bike ride for 30 minutes after your session or whatever. Like, 
and it makes you feel good, that's amazing. Or like if it's a rest day and you go for a walk, you know, or, or something like that, like, yeah, I think, and if, if it makes you feel good, that's amazing. I think the problem comes when people start to like have that kind of start sneaking in and actually it's just another session. And they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, that's why it's important to monitor like and it. prescribe and just make sure that the person's doing what they're supposed to be doing within uh yeah your restrictions. Um yeah, so if it'll be interesting. like an hour bike ride at like seventy percent of your heart rate, then it's like Yeah. It's not really recovery, is it? That's just yeah. That's just a cardio session. <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So it'll be interesting to see what you guys think and you guys can give your two cents when we post it later and uh, leave comments and give us your reasoning because we'd love to over, have an open discourse on this topic and get everyone's juices flowing and uh, ideas out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you're if you're watching this on, on YouTube, leave us a comment below. Um, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you already subscribe to us on YouTube or Instagram, we really appreciate it. We appreciate all of our listeners we'd love to hear from you um yeah just to get a bit get to know a bit more about you where you're listening from what you want to hear more about you know that that'd be amazing and if you do like 100%. it share it on so that we can just just grow this podcast and keep doing it Hell yeah. till next week next week we've got patty harrison on which is really really exciting but till then matt take us out oh, this has been the rss podcast we're out.